0: everyone, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the eighth episode of Riverdale Season 4, In Treatment. I'm Mary Kukowski and I am joined, as always, by the electra to my Oedipus, Kirsten McInnes. Kirsten, how are you doing tonight? I Actually, it's
1: the morning, too. It's not even night. Yeah, it's first of all, for me, it is 10 a.m. It's not even afternoon for me yet. Second of all, I do not endorse... <laughs> This comparison at all. I think that our relationship is more uh Shakespearean than Greek tragedy. Yeah. I I guess we're But like in a modern day adaptation, like you know, she's the man or like uh, exactly. Ten Things I Hate About You. Exactly. Not like boring old Shakespeare, like fun modern Shakespeare.
0: You can be the uh guy from Ten Things I Hate About You to the girl from Ten Things I Hate
1: About You. I'll be the Heath Ledger to your Julia Styles any day. Oh, thanks. Although I think I look more like Julia Stiles yeah you you definitely do do. are you saying I look like Heath Ledger Uh, you have the hair let's face it
0: I look like (laughs) a young what's his name Joseph Gordon Levitt
1: I mean I think we we need to face facts that both of us right now we're both like bare faced hair up we both look like 15 year old girls like (laughs) No, I'm saying I look like a 15-year-old boy. No, (laughs) you are just crazy. You do not look like a boy. But if you were a boy, you'd be a very cute boy. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Anyway, so Riverdale. Yeah. Okay, so I actually really liked
0: this episode, and we were discussing before the podcast that it may just be because all the other episodes recently have been trash. But I would like to take a step back real quick and just think, we've gotten eight episodes so far of this season, and compared to last season, I would say by far these are eight better episodes than the one last. Season because those were off the rail. I I think it's just these like, are
1: also off the rail though. I don't yeah, like. I don't know if I agree. I I would rather take this
0: book writing murder mystery that Jughead's got going on and like the family drama, which is basically what everyone else has going on. I would rather take that over cults and demon games and things like that. Like it is a little bit more season one. Like I think they're trying.
1: Hmm. See the thing is I really like witchy stuff so. I think I prefer season three, but I don't like either of them. You like all of the Nazi? No, I didn't like it, but I think I liked it better than what we've gotten so far this season. I think that once season four is completed, there's a very high likelihood that it'll be like, yeah, season four was just empirically better than season three. And I'm ready for that. But I think at the episode eight point, I think I like season three better, even though I didn't like it. Like, I don't love either of them. But this episode, if we're going for the first eight episodes of each season, I think is the best out of the 16 episodes. Yeah, Does that makes sense. That's probably right. That's
0: probably right. I mean, this episode, it's, it actually, for once, I was writing down, like I was checking things off. This answered questions that I've had for a while in certain areas, which I was really happy with. It, the only thing I'm u- unhappy with is that I feel like they took this episode to answer all these questions and sort of level set everybody, and then they're going to disregard it pretty
1: soon. Yeah, literally, what's going to happen next week? Who knows? But I think that what we need to do is just enjoy what we got this week hope we get more like this and uh once and for all just be so happy that Alice Cooper is acting normal oh my god that was my biggest one what, what a we breath got of fresh
0: air season one Alice Cooper back we got her back like and I'm
1: so excited about it this bitch is looking under false bottoms of drawers reading diaries being crazy but in like the reliable way where it's about the kids like uh. (laughs) it's about the kids (laughs) yeah and and we can
0: jump in with Betty because this episode was so nice because it broke all of the characters separately and we did not jump around we just did one at a time which I really like but just to recap a little bit from our Jughead voiceover it was really long so I did write it down but I'm not gonna read the whole thing just because my voice is already dead but it um it, it was going back through this whole videotape scenario so we've got the videotapes again the VHS tapes. Everybody's pulling out their VCRs. They're back. And uh, basically it's exact same thing. It's like six hours of footage of everyone's front door, but it's like zoomed in really tight right up at the front door. It's not yeah, like And across so I the think, street.
1: Yeah, so I think that what they wanted us to believe is that the video was taken from like right outside the door, but like it was probably filmed from the exact same location, but they zoomed in. Yeah, like,
0: and how <laughs> this was able to happen when, like why are they not staking out outside everyone's houses and making sure that they don't have a video camera set up there. This Why seems like not obvious.
1: I just feel like Alice is the type of person who would start a neighborhood watch and the fact that that hasn't happened yet is truly bizarre I think there me. is a neighborhood watch. Well, back in season one, Alice mentioned one. <laughs> They're not watching anything, obviously. True. Unless what if these tapes were from the neighborhood watch and they were like, Ooh. we're going to show people that we're protecting them. But it's just like completely tone deaf. <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. Gotta say. That's very on par for
0: Riverdale. The only thing I really didn't like for this was the fact Fact that in the Cheryl scene, the Julian doll is like front in front of Cheryl. There's like Tony in the background, Cheryl in the middle ground, and then the Julian doll in the forefront, like really close, looking like he's watching the TV. This is so unnecessary. Yeah, I'm the doll stuff I could certainly live without. Yeah. So basically, because in light of this and in light of the fact that we live in Riverdale and it's ridiculous, Principal Honey has asked the school's guidance counselor, Mrs. Burble, to offer extended office hours and basically give therapy
1: sessions to everybody in the school. Thank you. This should have been happening all along. The other thing, too, is people are starting to get college acceptances and declines. And so that's uh, a big part of this.
0: Yeah, there was a random shot, which I think was supposed to be in Stonewall High, of a shirtless kid walking through the hallway with a, an acceptance letter. And I'm not... I'm really... I was confused, but that's okay. I mean, not complaining. It's fine. Whoa. I mean, you know, who doesn't love teen boys? Let's move on from this. Oh, yeah, we don't. I, I, I'd like to make a firm <laughs> statement. <laughs> who doesn't love 20-something boys pretending to be teen
1: boys? Well, that I can stand by. Exactly. Uh,
0: So, yeah, we start with Betty, who basically... Every character got like a little opener about why they basically need therapy and then their session. So with Betty, the first thing I just wrote down was, oh my God, it's season one, Alice. Three exclamation points.
1: Alice has opened Betty's mail and Betty did not get accepted by early admission to Yale University. Did we know that she
0: was even trying to go to Yale?
1: I don't think so, which is weird because normally these teen dramas love to be like, this person is obsessed with a school. All I can think of is Rory Gilmore Mm -hmm. being like so obsessed with Harvard forever, and then she gets into Yale, and it's like, Is Gilmore oh my Girls God. a teen drama, though? Yes, Gilmore Girls is a teen drama, okay? I guess. Even the adults are made into like teenagers in that show. True.
0: Yeah, so I, I feel like it might have been the kind of thing that we might have heard. I remembered that Veronica was a shoe into Harvard, but that was the only one I remember. Well, and that
1: we heard in the premiere this season. I feel like we maybe heard like something about Yale in like season one, episode one or two about Betty, but then it has certainly not come up since. Anyway, so she didn't get in.
0: Well, and can I just say, this kind of goes without saying, the college admission process, it's not like, oh, you're smart, you do everything right, boom, you get into your dream college. That's not how it works. Like, even even if Betty wasn't doing the things that her mom is complaining about and did get straight A's or whatever and was a model student, it doesn't mean that she's guaranteed into Yale. There's, like, pl- more people who are qualified to Yale than get in. That's not how it works. There's a little bit of luck involved. So there's that. Also, I, I mean, maybe I could be wrong, but, like, at least just looking at my high school and my high school was pretty competitive we had a lot of people go to good schools but most schools most high schools in america you might have one anywhere from like zero to three kids get into ivy league schools in like every year and so if veronica's already going to harvard i mean i don't know is is betty the number two person at the school maybe probably not i mean
1: is veronica the number one person at the school? well that's
0: also incorrect so yeah
1: yeah it's just uh it's very confusing and then like it's also very different like American admissions process than the way it is here we don't do SATs or anything like that and then we don't have to really do essays or personal statements or anything for undergrad it's basically just like grades mm-hmm. and then you either get in or you don't get in based on the number of people they can accept into the program and the GPA cut off that year so it's like very much not the same and I don't think early admission is a thing either but so that is a thing like not here like i know that it's a thing in the state states yeah
0: it's a it, early admission is a thing in the states and i know like me and actually wait Lord, did, did you apply early admission to tech okay but uh like in my family for example me and my brother both applied early admission to schools and a lot of people i knew did be, mostly just because you didn't want to have to think about it in the spring but i, I didn't love how this s- show was like oh you didn't get in early admission that means you have no chance of getting into college
1: anymore it's like m- some people don't start applying until you know april yeah like it's it's just was very strange to me but yeah so betty didn't get accepted early admission and alice is on a tear she opened this letter and then she searched betty's room read her diary and found her birth control pills in the false bottom of her bedside drawer and it's like betty if your mom knows there's a false bottom why are you using it obviously alice knows about this but basically alice is very much like you didn't get into college because you've been having sex you're not focusing on the right things and like you need to get in control of your life and it's it's like, shouldn't you just be happy your daughter's practicing safe sex? There are so many things. First
0: off, Betty literally told her mom back in season two, episode one of season two, Betty told her mom that her and Jughead almost had sex. So, like, her mom should not be
1: surprised. Also, her and Jughead share a room and sleep in the <laughs> same bed, which her mom is okay with. What did you think they were I doing, Alice? I don't know. Your kid is dating this boy. You all live in a house and they share. A room. What? Do, like, what do you think they're doing? Just reading and doing homework? I assumed everyone knew
0: about the bang bunker. Not only that, there was a huge stretch of time where Betty was living at Jughead's trailer back in like early season two.
1: There's just the fact that this is now somehow a surprise is just is is very annoying. Yeah. But I'm just so happy to see Alice be like Alice. Also, but I don't care.
0: Alice has like no legs to stand on. Right here, she was in a cult for the entire last year, tearing Betty's home life apart. She gave away Betty's college fund. Yeah, Betty. Betty's dad was an escaped serial killer. She locked Betty in the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, and then, like, the whole G&G stuff was roaming the streets. School was not on anybody's mind last year, and so I don't know how she could have. Why jump to the sex thing? Ugh.
1: Well, and honestly... She is just like she's lucky. Betty's not a drug addict. It could be so much worse. She really is.
0: Case number sixty five. Elizabeth Cooper is the person who's going in here. All right, I'm just gonna say this up front because it pops up throughout the episode. The first line here is that the guidance counselor asks Betty if she wants a skit scat. So let's just pause down real quick. The close but no cigars were off the charts this episode.
1: Yes, it was out of control. Also, skit scat is really disgusting sounding.
0: Yeah. I mean, for a candy that looks like a turd, I guess that makes sense, but...
1: I mean, like, Kit Kats don't look like turds, though. They're, just, they're too boxy. I'm sorry, if your poop looks like a Kit Kat, <laughs> you should seek medical help. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> if you poop Kit Kats. So there was also Butter Flinger, Three Buccaneers, and then the other one that I meant that I wrote down that they didn't actually mention was senior refreshers. So loved all of those. I thank you, prop department, for doing a good job here. Yeah. Senior confused. refreshers
1: is baby Ruth's, right? Junior Mints. Junior Mints, got it. Yeah. I was like, um, I don't get it.
0: Yeah. Baby Roos. How'd you get to baby Ruth's from that? Because it was senior, so oh. I was like, oh baby.
1: Oh. oh gotcha, no. gotcha,
0: gotcha. And then later on in the episode, Veronica also mentioned. Being on the cover of Fibes magazine. So just wanted to shout that out.
1: Yeah, I genuinely believe that the writers of Riverdale are listening to our podcast and being like, these close but no cigars are a hit.
0: (laughs) Okay, they are definitely listening to the podcast because there's that and season one Alice. So thank you. Alice Burson to this place, I think because she was going
1: to seek out her own therapy session or something. She basically wanted to go to the guidance counselor to be like, how do I get control of my teenage. Age daughter having sex because teenagers <sighs> never have sex. Yeah, I mean, it, and and I will say that like I do
0: believe that teenagers have more sex on teen dramas than they do in real life. Probably, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. At at my school, I feel like most kids were not having sex in like sophomore year of high school, but like maybe some kids do. I don't know. I, I you know we've discussed how teen dramas have like parties and kids owning businesses, and those aren't super accurate, so it's hard to tell. It, this is all ridiculous. The guidance counselor is not going to help Alice, for sure. Yeah, also this whole thing reminded me a little bit of, there is this great British show called The Miranda Show. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but there's an entire episode of The Miranda Show where Miranda and her mom go to a joint therapy session, and it kind of reminded me of that, but like in a much more comedic version.
1: I And also we need to stop down and talk about the actress who plays the therapist has been in literally everything. Oh, really? Like if you look on her IMDb page, she's been in like at least a couple of episodes of a number of really big shows. She had a stretch on Angel where she pl- played like a villain and was like a big bad and she's incredible there. Um, I know she was in Firefly as well. Like I think she was in a lot of Joss Whedon stuff but for a period of time. But then like literally, I went to go look at her IMDb to see what else she'd been in and it's like everything. She has been around forever and has done so many different huge shows. So the- she should be like at least vaguely familiar to a lot of people and she did a really, really great job as the guidance counselor here. Yeah, she looked vaguely familiar. I wouldn't be surprised if I've seen her in stuff. I think she did a stretch on One Tree Hill. But I I don't know off the top of my head, like literally when I was going through her IMDb I was like, holy crap, this woman has done everything. She's been in so much stuff. I just wanted to check because I'm pretty sure this is the
0: first episode that we have seen her in though, in Riverdale. Yes, it
1: is her first episode in Riverdale. She was mentioned back in season two. Yeah, they've like talked about the guidance counselor, but she hasn't really been present, which is super annoying because they've needed a guidance counselor this entire time. Come on. Also,
0: Mrs. Burple is also the guidance counselor in Archie Comics. Boom. And this actress looks a bit like the comic except has longer hair, uh, but they even dressed her in blue, which is what her comic book character typically wears. So that was kind of nice. I love when they do stuff like that. I love that. when they do stuff like that. Yeah, that's great. That's Mrs. Burble. Actress did a great job. I really liked her.
1: Yeah, she's phenomenal. I hope we get to see more from her. And she was like very much on like the right side of things all of the time and like being a very good counselor slash therapist. But I also kind of got like a vibe from her that maybe she's like hiding something.
0: Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. I would love it if this was just like honestly like a one-off episode where she's completely right about everything and is just level-headed and then nothing crazy happens with her because I mean we already know something crazy is Probably going to happen with Mr. Honey at some point. So, if we could just have at least a couple sane adults in the town, that would be nice. Yeah, I think that's too much to ask for. There's a whole lot of back and forth where Betty and Alice are sort of arguing. Alice thinks Betty is her child and doesn't like her growing up so fast and wants more control over her. And Betty's like, I'm an adult and lists off all the things I mentioned before. Betty, you're not an adult though. Stop down. Well, you're still a she's child. She's probably almost 18. She's probably 17. So,
1: it's clear. Yeah, but guess she what? Is growing I'm up. sorry. Yeah, think... 18 is not an adult. Okay. Well, Completely. it's when you're 18 you feel like you're an adult yeah but like look back at when you were think back to when you were 18 were yeah. you really an adult I
0: guess uh, I guess not Um, uh, Betty does shout out that line we mentioned earlier you you didn't think I was having sex Jughead and I sleep in the same bed which was just a really great really great shout out also okay so another question that we've had for a long time that finally got answered based on what Alice said in this episode it sounds like she was brainwashed she did join the yeah. cult of her own accord was actually brainwashed and then some time, probably like toward the end of season three, once the Sisters of Quiet Mercy turned into the cult, like once they moved into that building. I think around that time is when Alice became like woke and met up with Charles and started working for the FBI. Yeah, she was under Charles' influence, not Charles yeah, Edgar. Edgar's
1: influence.
0: So thank you, show, for not trying to pretend to us that she was like always of her own accord.
1: Well, yeah, because that made no sense. It made so no sense. So it's just nice that they, they did the right thing.
0: Also, thank you very much for uh telling us that yes she did indeed give away her college fund so thank you that is yeah that's
1: messed up that betty never got
0: that back it is messed up so the therapist is much on betty's side is like yo alice you cannot read her diaries that's you know you need to have your let your child have some privacy even though they are your child they're still like a person they're a person yeah betty's like yeah you should worry about me i have a lot of issues but it's not about sex or college it's about like all the things you've done to me and that is where alice I also loved the you know I love you too but that's not an apology that you yeah that was
1: that was so good yeah Betty was on it and then Alice kind of like
0: snaps a little bit and shouts that you know the reason why she cares more about Betty than she does about like Polly or Charles is because she loves Betty more like she loves her the most
1: yeah like oh hey you're my favorite child which is definitely not gonna mess Betty up even worse like don't say that what the hell yeah and it's but it was like it was really heartbreaking
0: to watch that because you could tell that Alice, like, had a really hard time even admitting that and knew that it was a wrong thing for a mother to say or, like, to to feel, but... Yeah, you do feel bad for her. She shouldn't.
1: No, she shouldn't have admitted it. I do not feel bad for well, her. Well, I, I do because, I mean, you have to,
0: like, Alice has also had a hard life. And she's probably the way she is because of her hard life. You know,
1: she had a teen pregnancy and she married a serial killer. Yeah, I don't know. I just, her and Betty need to actually go to more therapy, I think. They need to just, like, figure that out. Everybody needs to go to therapy, by the way. Yeah.
0: Also, this guidance counselor office is huge. It's, like, the size of five offices. just want to point mean, that out. And I was loving for it. It was great. It was good to say. OK, so Archie. Archie falls asleep in class. Also, the teacher's name is Mr. Phylum, which is a little bit. Was it biology class? I think so. It was some kind of science class. So <laughs> just want to point that out. Case number 70, Archibald Andrews. I love that we get everybody's full name. That's fun.
1: Archibald is just such a, like, <laughs> he's just so not an Archibald. But at the same time, maybe he is, like, the most Archibald. Is- it, was his grandfather's name
0: also Archie? Like, did I can't remember. I think so, yeah. So maybe he gra- sure. was named after his grandfather or something, because I'm like, I can't
1: picture a like young Fred Andrews being like, I shall name my kid Archibald. Well, it's one of those things, like, he was named Archibald, but he's probably never been called that. Like, he's been Archie since birth, for sure. Yeah,
0: definitely. I feel like there was probably a scene of uh,
1: Miss Grundy calling him Archibald. And I Archibald. just think it's probably so funny that, so Archibald, the original, was like, you know what, I'm going to give my kid an easy name. I'm going to name my kid Fred, Frederick, <laughs> right? And then Fred's like, I got to go back to the history of the family and I'm going to name my child Archibald. And it's like, Archibald Sr. probably didn't want that. He probably was like, no, give your kid a name that like fits, that people will get. Yeah, it's great. I love it. So Archie hasn't applied to colleges because he's too busy
0: and also because he feels like he needs to stay in Riverdale to help clean up the town. Apparently, he definitely needs to do because the town has really gone down the tubes. And I thought it was interesting that they mentioned if you admit that you have committed a crime or you're putting it in your or others in danger, then she has to report that. Is that like common of... Yes, that's true. That's true of like all therapy or just like school? I think
1: like in general in therapy, I'm not sure so much about the committing a crime part. I think there are... If you admitted to your therapist that you were like shoplifting, I don't think they would have to report you. Right. But like if you admitted to your therapist that you were seriously considering hurting yourself or others or they thought that you were a risk to yourself or others, they definitely have to report that. Okay. That's their obligation. But I liked that they mentioned it. That was nice. Give him the Well, they had to because Archie's being crazy.
0: Yeah, he is. So he basically says like he has... Also, he says uh, he goes out at night and then she immediately jumps that he's going to the gay woods to cruise in Fox Forest. Is this... that? That's the first thing she jumps to? I mean, I
1: guess that's probably what teen boys are doing after Dark and Riverdale. Okay. Crime and cruising. All right. Well, yay cruising. I wish he was cruising. I- it would be way better. Yeah.
0: I wonder if Fanny- is back. Whatever happened to him? Did he go to that same place that Polly went to? Possible. Maybe. I don't really know. Anyway, so Archie is like, basically, she's saying that he has a hero complex and she likes to diagnose everybody with complexes. So he has hero yeah, she's
1: Like, she is a registered psychologist. That is different from being like a psychiatrist.
0: Right. But she says, you know, doesn't the hero suffer a tragedy and form their persona out of rage? And he's like, yeah, because I'm angry. I have a lot to be angry for. My friends and family are going through all this stuff and I just hurt all the time and I want to protect people. Which is the most clear headed sort of statement by Archie that we've gotten, like that really sums up his characters. Archie doesn't really have a personality or not a personality. He doesn't he doesn't do anything to propel the plot of Riverdale. He basically is just a reactionary character to all of the stuff that's going around him. But the thing that the show hasn't done well for a while is the fact and I'm glad they mentioned it here, he the reason he does all his stuff, the reason that he starts all of these organizations to clean up the streets and needs to be a vigilante. The reason he does all that is because Veronica has problems with her father and Jughead was in a gang and Betty, you know, has all of these terrible things happening to her and those things probably upset him. And so he is trying to help and give back in the only way he can or the way that he thinks is the only way he can. But he the thing that I don't like is that the show doesn't say that they don't have him helping Jughead or Betty. They have him going off in his own direction in response to the anger he feels about their situations. So it's frustrating.
1: Yeah, I find Archie very frustrating. So she suggests, you know, you don't have to do this all by yourself. You can get volunteers. You could start maybe an anonymous tip line. Just keep running the center and stop going out at night. Like, look after yourself. And I think he takes very much the wrong message from that.
0: Well, he does start the tip line, which is
1: Which is on the world's oldest voicemail. (laughs) Um, Apparently, they can't call and get an answer. It goes straight to voicemail and it's on a cassette recorder. Well, this is
0: Riverdale where everybody drives old cars and it may or may not be set in the 60s. We're unclear. Well, but they have Bumble. I know. Bumble in the 60s. And that's it. They have all these references, but technology somehow stopped at that point in time because everybody still has a VCR. Archie tells his mom that he's going to move out and live at the center because he's trying to protect her and she's like oh that's a bummer and he's like yeah well i'm 18 so i can do it also it's dodger is just the big bad this is the only bad guy because apparently he's only going to do this until sheriff jones wow haven't heard that for a while is it catches dodger and then he's going to stop so
1: Sure. Yeah. He could stop at any time. He's definitely not a
0: rageaholic. He brings the mask to the center, but then he throws it away, but like not even into
1: the trash can. It's like looped over the edge of the trash can. It's so annoying. And then, yeah. And also we got confirmation that Archie is 18. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Does not make sense with the timeline that we've been provided. I I don't know. I mean, he's a senior,
0: but I don't know when his birthday was supposed to be. Like I was 18 as a senior. It's possible. We just, I don't know when he turned 18. I assume recently. Yeah.
1: No, just compared to like based on when he couldn't drive in season one right right to now like it just the timeline doesn't quite add up that's a good point so he couldn't drive in season two
0: so he was he must have turned eight, 16 at some point at the end of season two then or at the well middle. no but his
1: 16th birthday was the birthday party episode no that was birthday. oh wait no that was Jughead's birthday yeah huh I think, yeah I don't
0: know I always figured Jughead was older he just looks older because yeah, I, d- I
1: mean he's more mature <laughs> he's used more of his serotonin you know
0: yeah all right let's talk about Cheryl shall we yes so Cheryl is called to Principal Honey's office because she has a lot of absences and she's like, Yeah, I've suffered numerous family deaths. My mother disappeared. I'm raising twin toddlers and I'm the sole caregiver for my nana. First off, thought your na- nana was your caregiver, technically, or at least legally. And also, why are you raising these twin toddlers? Stop. Give them <laughs> to Alice.
1: <give> them back. <laughs> Alice would love two more children to interfere with. Just give them to her. I don't even know. Principal Honey's like, Well, if you're not like mentally stable, I'm gonna put an adult in charge of the river vixens like you're gonna get assessed by mrs burble and based on her decision we'll see what happens there should have always been at least a teacher advisor to the vixens there's no like student club that doesn't have a teacher involved
0: yeah, especially at the high school level. And I started a club in high school at one point. And when I started it, we had to get a teacher, or at least I—I I mean, I got a teacher who like the classroom we used, and she was technically an advisor to it. She wasn't always there at the club meetings, but she was. The reference yeah, no, there's yeah to sponsor. If club. you have
1: a club in high school, like a school-sanctioned club, there has to be a teacher advisor. Like, yeah. that, that's just the rule. So I don't understand why this is such a blow to Cheryl. But well, it was so offended. It was implied in the show that she was
0: going to get kicked off the team as well is what it seemed like or like that she wouldn't be captain anymore i don't know i don't really understand why she's so upset but whatever
1: yeah i think that like they're making it seem like the vixens have a captain and that captain is either going to be cheryl or a teacher but like no cheryl would still be the captain uh but there would just be a teacher advisor to like help her out and work with her on things like it doesn't yeah it just isn't i don't know it's just not right uh
0: so Ms. burble is like hey did you get a vhs tape and she's like yeah but I have felled multiple villains with my bow over the years. I'm not afraid of some
1: sad AV pervert.
0: And that killed me. Yeah. I have felled multiple villains. Uh, I just love the way that Cheryl talks. I
1: also just loved I'm not afraid of some sad AV pervert. I love the
0: fact that she uses sad AV pervert and felled multiple villains in the same sentence. It's it's great. That's wonderful. So you have teachers like Honey who seem or just the other teachers in the school who are like, oh, yeah, these kids, they've gone through trauma, but oh, well, they still need to get to class on time. And then you have people like Miss Burble who are like, I know all about your crazy traumas and these ridiculous things that are going on. But you're just normal teens in, a, in the real world. Someone who has been through as much as all these people have. Like the, the comedy of this episode was just the listing of all the ridiculous things that each character's gone through. Th- these people should be not in this town. Like this town should be quarantined and checked out and something is clearly going on here. That's ridiculous because no one should have to go through all of this. Because I forgot she also was in conversion therapy and she almost had her organs carved out of her. So
1: yeah, she's been through a ton. All of them have been through a ton. Even one of those things would be a lot to handle, but they have all of them, which is just not, it's not great. And that's why I kind of am hoping that this guidance counselor stuff isn't just a one off because I would like to see a little bit, of a dose of clarity to happen a little bit more often in the show.
0: It would be nice. <laughs> I don't think it's yeah. going to happen, but it would be nice. But I would like it. Yeah. So uh, Cheryl basically tells the guidance counselor, yeah, I have my taxidermized brother in my baby. Basement and I'm talking to him and I feel like he talks back and also I'm haunted by the ghost of my other triplet brother who i ate
1: yeah and sh- and the guidance counselor rolls with it very well she's like i mean is it that different from people visiting a grave or having an urn I think that the guidance counselor might have perceived it as Jason is in a crypt and she goes to the crypt I think but it kind of became clear that that was not the case what I was trying to say is it was it was sort of cracking me up
0: how the Guidance counselor seemed to roll with all of this stuff so well and was not affected by any of this crazy news. Like she already I'm knew just, about it or she just didn't care.
1: <laughs> I'm just picturing her going home at the end of this day, just popping open a bottle of red and being like, What the hell is wrong with this town? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So uh, she's like, Yeah, your your life may be defined by gothic tropes, but you're being haunted by grief. And I loved that. So this is the thing. I really hope, if we can take anything from this episode, I really truly hope that she's right and that this doll is not alive but somebody is moving it around her house to try and scare her.
1: I hope so too. I also feel like so immediately she's like I think someone is trying to make you think you've lost your mind. Like you haven't lost your mind. I think you're being gaslit. And I just think if someone is being gaslit the way to get them to see it is not to be like you're being gaslit. Like I I feel like that's like oversimplifying the issue. Well
0: and Cheryl didn't believe that the last time she was being had her mind messed with in the cult. Like when Betty was like hey this is a cult. She was like no it's not.
1: Well and then remember when Cheryl was using the doll to gaslight like Tony? Like, so, there's
0: more to the story. The thing is, my best guess, and I, I would just kind of love to see this play out. I think it's Tony. I So the thing is, is I
1: really hope it's not.
0: Me like, too. But who else in this story? I mean, well, unless it's Nana Rose. Is, like, yeah, who it else ha- has a motivation to,
1: me it, to mess with Cheryl? And who else wants Cheryl to get out of the house? Well, like, to me, it has to be Nana Rose. Like, I think that Nana Rose... And and Penelope Blossom were probably actually closer than what we had been led to believe over the course of the 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 series, and that this is something like that, because... But Nana Rose has been, like,
0: a positive character in terms of Cheryl.
1: Yeah, which is why now it's like, oh, actually, she was there all along just to, like, get in and have more influence, and then it'll be like, surprise, she was doing this all along. She's also the one who was like, you ate your triplet in the womb and, like, started the whole thing. So, like, I feel like it has to be her, but if it's Tony, I'll be really upset.
0: So I think the thing is by do by having it be Tony, we then have an issue where like Tony can never come back from that. We can never have nice Cheryl and Tony anymore if Tony's done something as ridiculous as this. I think it was mostly well, we'll get to it. But the scenes toward the end of the episode made me think it was Tony. Also, guidance counselor's like, yeah, you know, I think that you're doing a great job with cheerleading squad and you're a cool person, but I am going to recommend that a coach is brought in just for academic reasons. And Cheryl's sad. This is where it made it seem like she
1: got kicked off the squad, but I don't think she did. No, I think it's just that she doesn't think that she's, like, head cheerleader anymore because of it. Right. So, there's also
0: this thing where the, uh, uh, Miss Burble is like, also, hey, you know, there's this DNA test you can do to see if you consumed your twin because then you would have some of his DNA. So. Is that real? I don't know. Chimera test is what it was called. Let me look Hmm, it up. I don't know. Chimera testing identifies genetic profiles, the recipient and donor, and then evaluates the extent of mixture of the blood or bone marrow. I guess it, like, could work. Anyway, so, um, that was Cheryl's stuff. Uh, then we have Veronica. So, Veronica is, as usual, in a battle with her dad over, I don't know, life. He's talking about his first bottle of Lodge rum, which is, like, his most prized possession in addition to, uh, Veronica and his Harvard plaque. No, Harvard, uh, diploma. That's what it is. So, I mean, immediately when you see him putting the rum in the case, you know that it's going to get smashed or drank or something.
1: Something's happening. Cool foreshadowing, bro. Veronica gets a phone call from the dean of uh, admissions at Harvard saying, like, you are accepted. And she's so excited. And then he's like, thank you. Like, that bottle of rum your dad sent was really great. And it's like, a bottle of rum is not enough to bribe people I did, into I, Harvard. Like, there had to have been a monetary donation. Yeah, I'm well. sure
0: there was a lot more than just the bottle Of rum. I think it was more like the bottle of rum was the thing that he could mention in public.
1: That yeah, know that makes sense. Yeah. Um,
0: which I don't think he should have mentioned anyway. Man, in the alternate universe where he just doesn't say that and Veronica thinks she got into Harvard of her own accord,
1: uh, would have been great. Yeah, I'm I would prefer that to be honest. So she goes to the guidance counselor. Her is is case file 75, Veronica Luna, Nay Lodge. I forgot she changed her last name to Luna, and So did I. Veronica Luna sounds. Ridiculous.
0: It does. And I think we have people mention it like three or four times in this episode. And every time I was like, oh, that's right, Luna. And she's like, yeah, I thought I got into Harvard, but my dad bought my way in with rum, threats, money, charm, who knows? Just love that. And uh, I would love Mr. Burwell to be like, hey, that's the mayor you're talking about.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he manipulated you into Harvard or whatever, but like you got into Harvard. True. People want that opportunity.
0: Yep, yeah. And she's like, yeah, it's sad because I'll never know if I could have done it on my own. And uh, basically this whole thing, this whole conversation is about how her and her dad are like in a battle of wits and she wants to get out from under him, but then the guidance counselor is like, yeah, but do you actually because you've never actually tried to completely cut ties with him? Which, yeah, she says that like it's first off, like it's such an easy thing. Also, it's not most kids are not able to easily cut ties with their parents. In in very special circumstances, you can, like Cheryl kind of did earlier on, but that was when she she was like more in direct danger from her parents and her parents put her in conversion therapy. But with Veronica, she she has nowhere to go. She can't just move out. Like you, you can't just expect a kid. I feel like the guidance counselor was like, um, hello, you could have just moved out. You could have just cut ties with your parents. Yeah, it's
1: like, no, that's not really something you can do as a minor.
0: Yeah, not really. So, or something you should expect a minor to easily be able to do. There was a great part where Veronica was like, he sold, he fake sold me two businesses and then conned me into running them, which I did well, by the way charged me protection, lured my boyfriend into crime, and then tried to kill him in front of a crowd in an illegal boxing match, had my mother arrested, brought his secret illegitimate daughter back to Riverdale to make me jealous. So, And then the guidance counselor's like, and are you jealous? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah like-
1: <laughs> obviously she is!
0: Also, that's what you took from the conversation as the most important thing. And she's like, you and your father are obsessed with each other. I'm sorry, Veronica's obsessed with Molly Ringwald, so... Yeah, <laughs> Mrs. Andrews, I'm obsessed! Yeah, and then she's like, oh great, you you're diagnosing me with daddy issues. She does Like call very daddy, psych 101. So. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. But that doesn't make it not true, honey. I mean, also everyone has daddy issues.
0: Yeah. So she suggests she cut ties and she's like, you're locked in a dance of death with your father.
1: Who's leading? Him or you? She also like talks about Oedipus and Electra and, but I'm not suggesting murder. And it's like, uh, what are you suggesting? But like, okay, so, huh, interesting.
0: Very, very interesting. Not a whole lot of like very useful tips for Ron here
1: Uh, okay let's talk about Jughead Jughead naturally just like Archie has not been focusing on post-secondary education
0: no, he's not even focusing on his education currently. He gets put in this school to write books or to like be a good writer, and instead has spent all of his time chasing down this all these random like murder mysteries and stuff. Ugh.
1: I can't wait till Jughead becomes a private investigator like Veronica Mars. Oh my
0: gosh! Wasn't Hermosa also a private investigator? It was very confusing. I couldn't oh, tell. Oh yeah, if she, she really is. Was.
1: She runs bars and she's a PI. I forgot about that. Oh my gosh. god, Hermosa really does have it all. She does. Uh, she's uh, hair too. It works for her. That it wouldn't work for me, but oh, it works for her. Jack gets late to his his writing seminar, but all the other kids are gone. The instructor guy, whatever, I can't remember his name DuPont. right now. Dupont, thank you. Yeah, I dismiss them to write or whatever. You haven't even started writing your Baxter Brothers mystery. You haven't even applied to college yet. How dare you not apply early admission? Which I at least kind of get that from like the private school right. perspective. I feel like there it would be like yeah, everyone's applying early uh, decision, and you need to try to get into like an Ivy League school. That at least makes sense in that atmosphere rather than like the public school atmosphere in Riverdale where everyone is like on drugs or whatever. He doesn't have any letters of recommendation or anything so he goes to get a transcript
0: I don't love that this show because Jughead for the last couple episodes has been at this fancy school everyone's like oh yeah obviously Jughead's main priority has always been education it's not it was running a gang it was feeling down on himself for not you know gonna be more than his father it was it was a lot of different things at at no point until this season did we see education as like a prime motivator for Jughead so stop trying to pretend that this has always been a thing
1: yeah and also yeah it's literally never been a thing he has always cared more about being smarter than other people but not necessarily in a traditional education standpoint
0: yeah so he goes to the guidance counselor to get the transcript case number 77 Forsyth Pendleton Jones the third I wrote the
1: second it should be a third. yeah. I was, I was gonna say Sorry. wait did it actually
0: say the second because that's a plot hole no the third aka Jughead she says that he has because everybody got a complex he's got a persecution complex he's chasing windmills to put off the real work of writing that he should be doing and Jughead makes a lot of snarky responses and she's like don't you really you just want to be like the rich kids because you feel bad that you weren't and basically the whole conversation is like stop trying to chase your grandfather and turn him into a wronged hero instead. Maybe look at things from your dad's point of view. But I did not like the fact that she was like, yeah, your dad pulled himself up by his bootstraps to become sheriff. No. He was handed that job by Hermione when he agreed to kill Hiram for her. It's way more impressive to run a gang. Like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jughead, you should probably run a gang like your dad. Also, I thought, really sad, we didn't see any of the whole serpent thing. I guess we got led up to that. It'll happen. It'll happen. i will appreciate having treats dangled in front of me and then take it away.
1: I Just like when Jughead was like, maybe I should put down the conspiracy theories and just do my homework. <laughs> yes, do your homework. Yeah. But also he's right, just like how I was
0: right. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, though, I do think that his conspiracy theory is true. And so we're definitely going to get and, and that's kind of I mean, the, the teacher was kind of like, yeah, I mean, you should also probably still investigate this thing, but like do it in the right way.
1: Actually do the work. Stop just accusing people and putting yourself in danger. You can't just walk up to people and accuse them of murder. <laughs> I feel like that should be like investigation 101 you can't should just be. go up to someone and accuse them with no actual hard evidence yeah you gotta get a warrant
0: yeah so Jughead goes home and hugs his dad and tells him he loves him which is like pretty cute yeah then we have the like little wrap-up bits where basically we go back to all the plot lines so Betty part two Betty comes home and a little bit of tense moment with her and her mom also they're wearing the same clothes so this is definitely the same day and she's like oh the boys are out back what are they doing playing football maybe they're grilling uh, but she said they, a casserole she was making a, I don't understand why first off don't call Jughead and his dad
1: the boys that's weird also here's the thing I don't think I know what a casserole is and at this point I've been too afraid to ask
0: this is a that would be a great candidate for Kirsten and Robert Akiva are dumb idiots hey so casserole is basically just like a mixture of different foods combined in a dish I'm pretty sure I mean like I don't know and then and then you bake it let me see what the actual that definition sounds horrible. is casserole definition it, i'm like, curious to see what it mushy is mushy and gross kind of stew or side dish that is cooked slowly in an oven okay uh, is that no. that's all we got large covered dish typically of glass used for cooking casseroles. Oh yeah, casseroles. You know I know what a casserole dish is. I've yeah. seen that before. So when I think of casseroles, because we ate a lot of casseroles growing up, and when I think of casseroles, it's usually something that's like tuna casserole. So it'd be like tuna and some kind of breading or whatever, and like carrots and stuff, and then it's baked in a big dish. And you, it's like lasagna. I could almost consider to be a casserole.
1: Hmm. I wonder is, is that the new as a hot dog a sandwich? Is, is lasagna, lasagna, lasagna a, casserole? a casserole?
0: Laura, do you think lasagna is a casserole? She didn't answer me. I assume she has. Had headphones on Laura. I think that's that's a an- <laughs> Laura says lasagna is a pasta. <laughs> so. Yeah,
1: but it could be a pasta casserole.
0: Yeah, I think it's a casserole. I'm gonna I'm gonna send my vote in for lasagna as a casserole. Please debate in the comment section. I,
1: yeah, I just learned what a casserole is. Actually, I think I tweeted about it that like a year ago, and I just wasn't satisfied with any of the answers. I still don't know if I'm 100 satisfied. They sound gross. That, um, I don't like lasagna. Casseroles so I guess typically I sound like casserole. gross,
0: but taste fine. They're I mean they're fine. They're they're just kind of like your basic I don't know meal.
1: There's also Betty's mom did not open her mail this time yeah but it's like there's the same a, day like, yeah good I for know her. but it's like you know what growth I guess I, it's weird that the postman came twice in a day
0: also there's a check was this check written from Alice to Betty or something I think so it was like a college fund check I couldn't really tell how much it was for it, it had four digits so I don't know yeah <laughs> I,
1: I mean better than the nothing she currently has because it was given to a cult yeah. uh, and then Betty's like mom I love you the most too and it's like yeah no shit it's not like you have another mom to love
0: yeah and obviously. Obviously, you don't love your dad, and you probably love Jughead more, maybe, I don't know, in a different way. I want an episode with all of the pairs of people we never see together. Like, I want an episode where Betty and FP get to know each other and, like, have to help each other out to solve some kind of crime. I want Alice and Archie to have an episode. I don't know. I just want to see people. Let's mix it up a little. Let's throw Kevin and... Oh, my God. Can Kevin and Jughead have a plot line together, please? That'd be so great, because they hate each other.
1: I don't think they do hate each other. I just think they're not friends. Yeah? Yeah. Like you have this like headcanon that they absolutely hate each other, and you've said it several times. I and every single Jughead time, hates, I just kind of like, Kevin. I just sit here like, it's because I don't think in, they in do. season one, it's literally like every time Kevin comes in, Jughead is like, "Oh,
0: Kevin's here, mm, great."
1: Yeah, but I think that's just because he like wants to make out with Betty. Okay. Like I don't think it's that he hates Kevin. Well, Kevin
0: is also Kevin was built to be like Betty's friend. Kevin and Betty were supposed to be. Friends. It wasn't like Kevin was friends with Archie or anything like that.
1: Yeah, but I just, I don't know. I don't see the hatred that you see, but we you just know need like to you, look
0: for it more.
1: You rock that headcanon, girl, I okay? I will. But yeah, so then we get the end of Archie's plot line and he's sitting in the like center and he hears like a beep that he has a voicemail, which is why it's like, oh, okay, they can't just call, cool. So it's a kid sounding like very afraid. The man who lives down the hall hits his mom. He needs help. Someone needs to come. So Archie like grabs the mask and bat and just runs out. Cool, Archie's just going to go, beat up a guy with a baseball bat. Well, he also doesn't know who the guy is. Yeah, he didn't get an address. Just the guy down the hall. Like, is there only one apartment building in Riverdale? On Sketch Alley? Like, that's the only one? I guess. It's just very strange to me. And why would anyone be calling Archie? He does not have a proven track record of actually stopping people. No, he really doesn't. Like, he just gets credit for stuff other people did. He grabs the
0: mask on his way out and I'm like, is he gonna wear it? Probably not. Has he changed at all? Probably not. Anyway.
1: Yeah, he didn't learn anything. He's just, like, (sighs) letting it run his life more. He's just not, like, wandering the streets looking for crime. He's waiting for someone to call him. Yeah. Which is just, like, whatever. I just truly don't care.
0: And then Cheryl meets up with Tony and is talking to her and says that she got the Chimera test results back. And she's doing a lot of, like, not explaining. Tony is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she's like, I got the results back. I'm negative. And it's like, okay. I, I don't know what these results are for. Yeah, so so I just don't. I don't know. I, I think mm-hmm. the benefit to Tony being the one who's controlling Julian is that it benefits her because, like, then she can try to tempt Cheryl to leave the house, maybe. But they're yeah, complicit but in murder at this point, so.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't really know. I'm not understanding the actual stakes for Tony here I, to I be doing. Know. Like, I just don't get it. Tony is just Cheryl's
0: sidekick. That's She's been devoted to that. Also, Cheryl had mentioned that her brother was, like, taxidermized, so <laughs> I don't know who did that. But like, if that's the case, that makes a lot more sense to why he doesn't just have like guts spilling out of him.
1: Yeah, but then it doesn't make sense why there was a rat
0: inside of him. Well, I mean, r- like, uh, if there's like stuffing in him. Ew.
1: I, I don't know. Who did the taxidermy? Attorney- I don't Dr. know. Kirtle. I don't know, but it had to be Doctor Kirtle Junior. There's absolutely no way he has innards. Well, he wouldn't have had innards anyways when he was buried. They take all that stuff out and fill you with formaldehyde.
0: I thought formal- formaldehyde was like a chemical.
1: It is a chemical. So
0: what is actually in you? Though that's like
1: making you 3D, I
0: don't
1: know what they stuff you with. I don't know either. I know they take out, like, I'm pretty sure they take out your organs and stuff. Like, they don't leave all that in there. I don't think, but I could be wrong. I'm not a funeral director. If any of our listeners have worked in like a morgue, please inform us. I would love
0: to know. Uh, Yeah, I have no idea. I'm very confused. Veronica, she turned down her acceptance to Harvard, even though that was like the one thing that Burble was like, hey, no need to turn down Harvard though.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's cheated. like, you got into Harvard. That's exciting. Go to Harvard. But no, she's not going to go to Harvard. And she is drinking rum possibly for the first time in Hiram's office. And she basically goes on like a huge rant to Hiram about how she turned down Harvard. She is not going to live the life that he wants her to live. Like she's not going to be on the cover of Vibes magazine. She's not going to get her MBA or whatever. But then she's like,
0: Also, she wants to go to Yale.
1: Yeah. So, like, the thing is, is, like, yeah, she's not going to Harvard, which is, like, yes, a blow to Hiram. But by going to Yale, going into the rum industry to, like, destroy Hiram or whatever is still doing exactly what Hiram wants her to do. She's becoming, like, a big businesswoman, going into the industry that he would want her to go into. She's not cutting herself off from him at all.
0: Yeah. The correct thing to do would have been go to Harvard, just kind of stop talking about your dad, don't accept his money, just live your own life, and then just grow and do something different that would be getting out from your dad's skin instead she's just she's trying to so she decides that she wants to actively take him down so she's gonna beat him on the battlefield because she's like I guidance counselor told me to, the only way to end this was I have to kill you but I'm gonna kill you on the battlefield of business also totally drinking his prized first rum
1: yeah so she's sitting there drinking the rum and she's like you know I don't think it'll be that hard to beat you in rum because this is much better than the swill you've been selling lately and then she puts down the glass and walks away and then he he like looks at the glass and then looks at the bottle and like totally loses his mind that the bottle got open.
0: Yeah, the second that she was drinking rum in that room, he should have known that she was drinking that. Ugh. Whatever. Yeah, they
1: just, the dynamic there is so weird. He just is so open to the idea that she's just going to come back into the fold. Like, he's always just like, ah, oh, mija, how are you? And it's like, no, like, you guys have serious problems. Also, here's another option. She could have just kind of been a normal kid and
0: done sort of what, like, oh, hey, dad. Yeah, how's it going? Oh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go into business. Not, I don't know. There was there there, there there are many paths that she could have taken. And this, I think, is the incorrect one.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is the one that falls exactly into line with what her dad wants, but is just slow. Slightly different. Yeah. Oh, a different Ivy League school where you'll get your MBA and probably end up on Fives magazine vibes. Oh my God. So Jughead part two, Betty reads
0: Jug's writing on the Baxter brothers and she's like, oh, it's great, but like I can't really trust it, Betty's judgment anymore because she also told him that he was totally going to win that short story contest and then he didn't. Yeah, but he did get into a school from it. True. So somebody else from the Quill and Skull Lit Society drowned in 2002 and then they're like, hey, look, all of these different writers who are in this society, like every single one except for my grandfather in DuPont, how all died in mysterious freak ways recently. What if if they were all murder. Ah. And then she's like, yeah, you need to transfer, which was a yeah, accurate answer. Absolutely
1: to that. needs a transfer. And then we get a flash forward and it's the gang is walking out into like a lineup where you would be identified. And then it's Brett and Donna are there and they're like, yep, those are them. Those are the kids that we saw murdered Jughead. And I've got a serious problem with this. That is not how a lineup works. It would have been Archie with like four other redheads and then like Betty with like four other blondes and then Veronica with like four other like brunette people that kind of look like her it's not like here's the whole group and you're like yep that's them like that is not admissible
0: Yeah, incorrect on all, on all accounts, but also, okay, I think we've kind of narrowed down. Clearly, Jughead, with the help of Betty and Veronica and Archie, is somehow going to fake his own death. I don't know what the point is going to be. To stop the Quill and Skull Society, obviously. They're taking them down. Yeah, but it would have been better if he had somehow framed DuPont for killing him, not I, like his But his friends. At the,
1: but I think that, I don't know, I, the, like the, he probably would have preferred to to do that, but they just want him to kind of be away from, like, he was probably at, like, serious danger of actually getting murdered, and so they did that to stop it, or in, like, weirdo world, maybe he does get, like, super hurt, but doesn't die, and it was, like, Brett and Donna who did it, but they're then trying to frame the gang, but, like, he doesn't die from it. I I feel like the fact that Brett
0: and Donna were here proves to me that they want Brett and Donna, like, they're trying to trick Brett and Donna as well, but I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure to what end yet but I really don't think he's gonna die
1: I hope not but also kind of hope so because I'm <laughs> sick of it yeah
0: there's do we think happening.
1: there's gonna be another season of Riverdale I think it's
0: Yeah, but I think it's probably going to be much like One Tree Hill, how they, like, come back after there's going to be a time jump, I think. Oh, like Pretty Little Liars. I don't think we're going to follow Veronica at college and, like, Jughead doing whatever he's doing and Archie running the center in separate things. Unless they do that for, like, a couple episodes and then jump to, like, and now everybody's back together. Which is also something they did for the OC. So, I think it's possible that they could do something like that. I will say the OC did it much worse where they kind of had, like, a shortened final
1: season. Yeah, no, the end of the OC was actively bad.
0: Whereas, like, One Tree Hill managed to do that in the middle of all of of the show, and then they continued on for, like, four seasons with them after the time jump. So they did a much better job. Anyway, that's really the end of this episode. The title, In Treatment, is based, I believe, off of a TV show from 2008 to 2010 with the same name that is about a middle-aged psychologist who confronts some uneasy truth about his own life while conducting therapy sessions with his patients. Don't know know if it is fictional or non-fictional a little bit hard to tell but pretty self-explanatory title of what it meant in respect to this episode pretty pretty clear we mentioned all of the close but no cigars that were in this episode there were a lot of them there were probably more in the candy bowl but i paused it and tried to look at it and i those were the only ones i could read but there was something that looked like a little mini hershey bar and something that looked like a packet of like sweet tarts but i couldn't tell what the names were so if anyone else was able to somehow get better
1: screenshots than me let me know who do you think was the most normal? Person of the week. See, I feel like you're gonna say the guidance counselor, but I don't feel like she was that normal. My argument is Principal Honey was the most normal character of the week. I was actually also gonna say Principal Honey. <laughs> yeah, I, I
0: do. I think Principal Honey is like, look, there's a lot of crap going on. Let's set the kids up with the guidance counselor. And also, Cheryl, you can't keep skipping school. We're gonna hire a teacher. Yeah. He didn't call the cops
1: on anyone. He didn't vandalize any of their stuff. He acted like a normal principal. In this episode, he was the principal.
0: He was the principal, definitely. I think (laughs) the reason the guidance counselor also wasn't it was she was rolling just a little bit too chill with all of the issues. She was like,
1: it seemed like she was really getting a lot out of diagnosing people, which is like not what you're there for as a guidance counselor. Like a guidance counselor is not a therapist. A guidance counselor is there. They do some like therapy type work with you but they're there to help you determine what the best path for your future is and advise you as you're making decisions at an age when you should not be making those decisions they're not really the ones who can help you with like these deep like family like i feel like they more do like career counseling yeah
0: i think she was probably over like i think she had other qualifications
1: well yeah she did like she was definitely like if she's a licensed psychologist that can mean a lot of things like i know in canada in all provinces except for one you need to have a phd to be a practicing psychologist so she would technically have a doctorate or but I don't know what it's like in the states like could she have been doing that with just like a bachelor degree of psychology because if that's the case like no she's not qualified to do that hard to tell I think
0: you probably would need a doctorate to practice I I think I think she also was I agreed with her stances but some of her advice particularly to Veronica of like you need to take your dad down and then Archie I don't know I, I feel like it was a little bit what the kids wanted to hear kind of just pointing them a little better in the right direction. So I don't know.
1: It was okay. Okay. Well, perfect. We're in agreement, Principal Honey. Yes, we are.
0: Oh, thank you, Gregory McBean, for giving me a happy birthday tweet. Just want to shout that out. Jordy on Twitter also said that did they make ther- Did they make? Did therapy make Riverdale better? Also, if Jughead dies, there's no way the Golden Trio kills him. Stonewall is more likely to be guilty. Also, I stand the psychologist character. We are in agreement about pretty much all of those things. I think.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: She also said, also as horrible as Cheryl's character has been, props to her for addressing the person messing with her as they instead of the ty- typical he or she, which numerous cishet people use, which is not gender inclusive. CW did something right for once, basically. She didn't say for once. I'm adding that. Yeah, overall, that was making some good points there. I'm I'm really glad that they did put the therapy in. I
1: would advise to have your tweets read on the podcast. The best way to do it is to reply to at Cast because I think they can get a little bit lost in Marianne's mention sometimes.
0: Yes, but thank you everyone who has been part of the discussion on Twitter and if you would like to join that discussion, you can follow me on Twitter at Perel Mary, Kirsten at Kirsten Said What, but please if you want to hashtag or tag at Kalski cast, that's K with a K, or hashtag Kalski cast, that's another way that it makes it a little easier for me to find those tweets. Really glad that we're able to have these talks about the show in general. I think we're probably uh, everyone that I've heard from at least is in agreement that the inclusion of the therapist was a big step for Riverdale, both as a show and just like as a town. Yeah. Good job.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> they ever, again, everybody needs therapy. So that's why if you go to slash uh, KowskiCast, you can get $10 off. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Man, that would have been, that would have been a nice plug. Ugh, I just love fake ads. It's <laughs> you know, been a well, while well, well, since we had a
0: good fake ad. Hannah's really on point with them a lot of times. So yeah, Hannah does a good job. Thank you for joining us. That's pretty much all for this week's episode. And we'll be back next, re- next week for our recap of episode nine. If you would like to support the podcast, we would love. Like love it if you could leave a five-star rating and review on itunes or any other podcatcher it really helps out a lot and it's completely free so that is a great way to to notify us that you care about the podcast and uh, we will always read those reviews on the podcast
1: yes and again five-star reviews only and if you're gonna leave a one-star review you also have to leave your home address so we can find you. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm no. joking. I heard that in another podcast this week, and I thought it was really funny, so I blatantly
0: stole it. Oh, my gosh. All right. Yeah. We do not, <laughs> we do not condone violence on uh, I podcast. didn't say anything violent. I just said we're going to find them. OK. We don't condone finding them on our podcast either. Uh, I bet your right. Jughead
1: would find them.
0: Until next time. Bye.
1: I'm sorry, if your poop looks like a Kit Kat, you should seek medical help.